0: <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I, do can it. Do it. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 420 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, joined by Jill. What's going on, Jill? <laughs> Not much. You usually do the start. And like I when I went to say hi to you, I was like, how does she normally say <laughs> my name in the second part of that? Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so, yeah. Episode- we're,
1: we're like, <laughs> to give context, we're like five-year-olds with this episode number. <laughs> yeah.
0: we're You're giggling. Yeah, literally. We're both like, oh, 420. Get it, everybody. It's a joke.
1: Um, and I just burst out laughing. Good so. times.
0: Anywho. So, yeah. Professional Book Podcast. Hello. Uh, what are we doing today?
1: So today, uh, if you've been listening for the past couple, like almost two months, we have our 2020 reading challenge, and um, we are going to offer up some suggestions for the microhistory, yes, uh, challenge.
0: Yeah, and I will say, um, because I uh, I did a good tweet the other day and to the tune of, like I don't know if you saw, it was I muted it on our, in our things. I don't think so. I asked a question a few nights ago about um, what's a book that people read that was oh, yeah. far too, that, that they read far too early and it's got um, over 3,000 responses and I've never seen anything like that so we got a whole bunch more followers and so therefore maybe we have a whole bunch more listeners and so if you're new to the podcast we do a reading challenge uh, we did one last year, it's, this one's a 2020 reading challenge, we have 12 different uh challenges that we are suggesting that you do and then you can fill it out and send it in to us in our email and we'll pick a winner at the end of the year and give you a device um and yeah the one we're gonna do today we're gonna give you some suggestions is microhistory like jill said uh shout out to if they're listening the staff librarians who work here at overdrive with us they made our jobs really easy this year because when they saw the challenges you and i created they're like, do you want us to make a bunch of lists for you that the librarians can go in and purchase? And we said yes. Yes, please. So we could steal all of our suggestions. Uh, if people do want to get a hold of us, though, how can they do that?
1: They can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can get our social links. We are on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com.
0: Perfect. Okay. So we're going to get into some micro histories um, first. I think you described these really well the first time we talked about them. So do you want to describe what a microhistory is? (laughs) It's pretty obvious, but maybe people don't realize.
1: Okay, Uh, I don't know how – I don't remember how I described it the first time. So a microhistory takes a subject, um, really any kind of subject, and does a very narrow – no – Narrow is not quite the right word. A deep dive. Almost. Deep dive. It's not a macro look. It's a micro look. Yes. So it gets very close. Um, does a you know good job of covering the scope and depth of the subject.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I picked six of them. We'll just go back and forth like we always do with some of our recommendations. I realized that the six that I chose is a very good look into like my psyche and things I'm interested in. Um so as and I realized it as I was picking them, I was like, "These are the ones I'm going to talk about." And I was like, "Oh I'm God!" Fine, I'm fine. It's like going to, so these are like going to therapy. <laughs> uh, so the first one I have is called "Timekeepers: How the World Became Obsessed with Time" by Simon Garfield. Uh, so timekeepers is a book about our obsession with time and our desire to measure it control it sell it film it perform it immortalize it and make it meaningful in this fascinating anecdotal exploration award-winning author simon garfield has two simple intentions to tell some illuminating stories and to ask whether we all have gone completely nuts i feel this on a cellular level because i am one of those people who are like i get up at the same time every single day and like, I, I know everyone does that but like i am so obsessed with like okay if i go to bed at this particular time i'll maybe get this much sleep which is always a lie because i'm like middle of the night wide yep. awake um but then like for example my dogs woke me up at two in the morning last night because they were being jerks and then by the time i took them out and brought them back in i was like okay if i fall asleep right now i'll get two and a half hours of sleep and the same thing like I'll start doing the backwards math when I know my wife and I are going somewhere. Well, she'll be like, "Well, I need to shower. Oh yeah, I know. Get one. ready. Yeah, right." So I'll be like, "Okay, well, we need to leave by noon, and you're going to want to air dry your hair, so it's going to take two hours to get ready first. So that's ten o'clock, and you're going to want breakfast, so you're going to need to be done eating by 9th. And she looks at me, she's like, "Settle down, dude." And I can't. I'm very obsessed with this. So this timekeeper is by Simon Garfield. I'm all about it because I am obsessed with this kind of stuff. Time
1: is a social construct.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know that too. I know. <laughs>
1: Just the fact that Leapy Day exists is proof of the fact that like, yeah, it's, if we wanted to, we could have 366 days every single year, but we don't.
0: Yeah. Oh, and the same thing with, like, again, like time in the sense of I'm like, well, they're like, you need to get eight hours of sleep to be fully rested. What is an hour? It's correct. Uh, yeah. Right there. With, yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. My first one is The Oregon Trail, A New American Journey by Rinker Buck. Um, this came out... Um, right after I started working here, right before, and it was one of the first audiobooks I listened to. Um, And so at the risk of exposing my age, I grew up at a time (laughs) when Mm -hmm. we would take Mm -hmm. classroom trips to the computer lab and play (laughs) the Oregon Trail on like those Apple II computers or whatever they were. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh you know where you would like name your characters and family after your friends, and somebody would die of dysentery. So, um, I'm all about the uh, the Oregon Trail. Reading all about it. So this um, is an epic account of traveling the 2,000 mile length of the Oregon Trail the old-fashioned way in a covered wagon with a team of mules. So um, Rinker Buck actually traversed the the Oregon Trail. <laughs> Just Amazing. the way they did back then.
0: Um, listen, I also am of a certain age <laughs> because not a, I remember doing this exact same thing. Our uh, computer lab in middle school was connected to the library. So the class would go, and half of the class would go to the library and pick their books for the week or do their accelerated reader test. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. the other half would have free reign in the computer lab. And it was Oregon Trail uh number crunchers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and weirdly chuck yeager's air combat that's
1: a weird one we had some mystery like a haunted house one (gasps) whose name i can't remember number crunchers sounds very familiar though
0: there was number crunchers and then there was also um i think word crunchers which i was better at Mm -hmm. because uh your boy is bad at math (laughs) so um yeah with uh which there's a bunch of books called the oregon trail so which one what who was that by again Sorry, I like you. Probably just closed it out, huh?
1: I did. It's fine though, because it's a rather, I just want to make sure it's a rinker buck.
0: Okay, that's why I thought such a good name. Uh, my next one is called Tree, a Life Story by David Suzuki and Wayne Grady, um, whose name I wanted to say Wayne Brady, but it's not. Uh, I love trees. I love all types of trees. I love trees in the fall when they are beautiful here in Cleveland. I love evergreen trees. I love Christmas trees. I have a sleeve tattoo that is me running amongst trees with my dogs. So this sounds right up my alley. Um, it is described as Literally a life story of a tree. So a tree describes in poetic detail the organism's modest origins that begin with a dramatic burst of millions of microscopic grains of pollen. The authors recount the amazing characteristics of the species, how they reproduce, and how they receive from and offer nourishment to generations of other plants and animals. The tree's pivotal role in making life possible for the creatures around it, including human beings, is lovingly explored. I'm so excited about this. And the version that I found, the cover is like, um, looks like a Christmas tree in, in like winteriness. So all about it. So That's Tree, A Life Story.
1: My next one is The Mother Tongue, English and How It Got That Way by Bill Bryson. Uh, Bill Bryson writes a lot of micro histories. Yeah. And I read, I think, almost all of them. The first one was The Mother Tongue. Um, I think it was the first one. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Anyway, <laughs> it was the first or second. Um, and he gives you a really intricate look into the English language. Um, it's history, eccentricities, resilience, and sheer fun. Um, <laughs>
0: Amazing. We're
1: reading from the description. I know you are. It's uh, just the way you
0: said <laughs> it. I liked it.
1: Um, yeah, I just remember it just, you know... You, did, you don't think, I don't think, you know, you sort of this language that you speak all the time and sort of how it works, mm-hmm. which obviously is complicated for people who are learning English as a second language. And um, so Bryson, in that way he often does, just sort of gives a really funny look at it and how it how it is the way that it is and why it is the way that it is.
0: He's so awesome. Yeah, I was... Assuming you were going to pick at least one of his for this, which is why I, I didn't.
1: I feel like I've talked about several others of his, so I wanted to talk about another Bill Bryson book.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my next one is Uncommon Grounds, The History of Coffee and How It Transformed Our World by Mark Pendergrass. Uh, people who have been listening to a long time know that every we have our nerd nine questions that we ask authors, and one of them is always coffee or tea. I, we're both decidedly on the coffee side of things uh, here on the podcast. That is a thing that we are a podcast united for on. Mm-hmm, we are. Um, and so this is the definitive history of the world's most popular drug. Uh, Uncommon Grounds tells the story of coffee from its discovery on a hill in ancient Abyssinia, which I don't know where that is, to the advent of Starbucks, which I had a cup of coffee from this afternoon. Well, at a cold. at a nitro cold brew. Which is probably pretty evident in the way that I'm like bouncing all over the place right now. That
1: explains a lot. Yeah,
0: a lot of caffeine in those. Um, Mark Pendergrass reviews the dramatic changes in coffee culture over the past decade from the disastrous coffee crisis that caused global prices to plummet to the rise of the fair trade movement and the third wave of quality-obsessed coffee connoisseurs. Hello, that is me. (laughs) As the scope of coffee culture continues to expand on common ground. And common grounds remains more than ever a brilliantly entertaining guide to the currents of one of the world's favorite most favorite beverages. That's it.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, I knew I had a coffee problem when I went to Starbucks and tried to order a venti nitro. And they're like, We don't make those. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: not allowed to get you one. We're not those.
1: allowed to get a venti. I was like, Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh the, the nitro cold brew is so good. It is. It's like drinking a Guinness during the day that you're right. allowed to enjoy. But
1: they won't give you a venti. No. Um, okay, so after coffee, my second favorite drink are Manhattan's.
0: And yeah. so Oh my god, we're about to go back to back without my
1: next book is Bourbon Empire, the past and future of America's whiskey. Yes. I love me some bourbon. Shockingly, I didn't drink bourbon when I lived in Kentucky, which was a missed opportunity. But yeah, it's all right. Um, so, this book by Reed, uh, this book by Reed Mittenboler, um, unravels the many myths and misconceptions surrounding America's most iconic spirit, bourbon empire. Traces a history that spans frontier rebellion, Gilded Age corruption, and the magic of Madison Avenue. Whiskey has profoundly influenced America's political, economic, and cultural destiny, just as those same factors have inspired the evolution and unique flavor of the whiskey itself.
0: Have you you said you didn't drink it when you lived in Kentucky, I but did not. have you since gone back and done any of the bourbon trail?
1: No. No, I haven't. Um I need to, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> Um no, in fact, We went, when I was in grad school, because I graduated from the University of Kentucky, my parents came and visited me one weekend, and we went down to the um, Maker's Mark distillery. Yeah. Um, What we didn't know was that it was their, like, VIP weekend. Oh. And they still let us in. Um, We're like, oh, we didn't know. We just sort of, you know, like, no, no, come on in. And so they had moonshine. So I did drink some of the moonshine. I was like, okay, Uh. this is intense. Um. But uh, I one of the things I miss most about living in Kentucky, this is so weird, but um, Maker's Mark has some of the best ads. Okay. Because if you know Maker's Mark, you know they have that iconic red wax
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the bottles and they use that. It's sort of like an absolute vodka kind of um, yeah. signature to their advertising. Mm-hmm. God, I used to love it, I've seen it all the time, and I don't anymore, and it makes me sad even now, 10 years later. <laughs> yeah.
0: We went down to – we did the bourbon trail for one of our friend's uh, bachelor parties, and we did Four Roses, uh, we did Bullet, we did Buffalo Trace, we did one more that Adam doesn't remember.
1: Uh, wild Turkey's down there, I think.
0: It wasn't Wild Turkey, and it wasn't Jack Daniels. Was, we did a fourth one, which – um, if, if you're wondering, should you do four today? I think this story about the fact that I can't remember what the fourth one was <laughs> kind of gives it away that maybe you shouldn't. Um, but it's, it's funny because you go, uh, you go to these various places and they offer you a tour. And then at the end of the tour, you get your free samples of everything, which is why everyone goes on the tours. But if you've seen one distillery, like it's different looking, but. it's Yeah. Seen, it's essentially. Except for we got to meet, um. Tom Bullet, who oh. was the he's the owner, well the founder of Bullet Bourbon, which is like weird because in my mind I was like, oh this has been around for like generations and like it it was, but also this guy has been around since they founded it, and like he's friends with Pappy Van Winkle, which is the guy who created. Wow, yeah, exactly. Like they like know him, and if you're a whiskey drinker, this is some good inside baseball on various people. But um, yeah, so if you go to the Bullet. Um, distillery. You have a chance of meeting the guy who's like in charge of everything, which All is great. All cool. right. There you go. Uh, my next one this will be very short because it's along the same lines Drink, A Cultured History of Alcohol by Ian Gatley and Matthew Lloyd Davies. It's a spirited look at the history of alcohol from the dawn of civilization to the modern day. So, very excited about this. Um, we've been watching uh, Peaky Blinders on Netflix, my wife and I. And this is this is a perfect reason for why like they stopped showing people smoke in movies and stuff because it makes people want to do it. They drink so much Irish whiskey in Peaky Blinders and every episode we watch. it, I'm like, you know what I'm in the mood for? And my wife's like, a glass of bourbon. I'm like, yes, how did you know? Because like, you say it every single episode. <laughs> and it's like, that's all I want to do. I've been... I don't have very much alcohol during the week, but like every show we watch, I'm just like, Mm, that does, that does look nice. So, yeah. Drink by Ian Gately, or Gatley rather, um, is kind of along the same lines, but not just bourbon, I suppose. So Yep.
1: My next one is semicolon, the past, present, and future of a misunderstood mark. As a writer, <laughs> semicolon confounds me sometimes. Ah, oh, right? I mean, I understand it in principle. Like I understand it, and yet I can't always apply it correctly.
0: (laughs) I would go so far as to say I've never applied it correctly, like ever.
1: I think I have, but it probably has been by accident.
0: (laughs) So I was – I had some creative writing teacher that said something about you use commas where you would take a breath in the sentence, which is not accurate. That is not accurate. (laughs) Yeah. But they weren't the best creative writing teacher. But semicolons, I don't – I still will be like it's like two sentences
1: it's like from my understanding
0: <laughs> here we go let's do this
1: which may not be correct disclaimer um it's sort of two sentences that can exist as one but yeah. also can exist as two and so you put the semicolon there to indicate that you know what i mean like some set, so it's yeah. like two independent sentences that kind of go together
0: okay sort of so what about an M dash <laughs> the we had a whole team conversation y'all, about we had M- a whole
1: <laughs> we had a whole team conversation about M dashes and n dashes
0: if you ever think <laughs> you're like I work with the dorkiest bunch of people you don't because we had like a like a throw out and fisticuffs level discussion as like a team of like 10
1: do not ever ask Adam and I, in the same conversation about the Oxford comma.
0: Oh, I'm getting better at using it, but I also hate it with a burning passion.
1: Oxford comma for the win. It's
0: a wasted keystroke. It is
1: not a wasted keystroke.
0: <laughs> and episode 420 was the last episode of the podcast.
1: <laughs> Oxford comma save lives, okay?
0: <laughs> I do like those t-shirts. Uh so the to... semicolon, that's, I mean, there's yeah. an, in.
1: so if you want, if you, like us, <laughs> no idea how the mm-hmm. semicolon works, there's an entire book about it called Semicolon
0: Guys, by Cecilia Austin. Thank you. Sorry I cut you off. Um, we literally, our little group is the communication team at Overdrive and we will like stand up and just without saying, hey, do you have a second? Just like say is this how this works? Like just, we'll just yell out a sentence and be like, where should the space... Be? Like, what's what's wrong with that? Help me out with a word. <laughs> just, just carry on.
1: It's probably not the best that we're just now admitting on air
0: <laughs> that we don't know how grammar works. No, we know how grammar works. We don't know how... Listen, there's some weird... <laughs> English is a stupid language that is just a Frankenstein's monster of other languages, and it's stupid, and we just decide... That certain things mean certain stuff, and then we just change the spelling of words. (laughs) I can Uh, go on this rant forever. No, I'm
1: I'm aware. Just sort of as amusing to me. We're like we write for our job. I know.
0: I know. You have two published books. I'm an editor. That's fair. (laughs) That's actually what I keep telling people about the book. I'm like, yeah, all the tenses are messed up, but if they like the story, I don't think they're gonna not pick it up because of how terrible I am using tenses. Um, Anyway, my next book is called The Way We Never Were by Stephanie Kuntz. American Families and the Nostalgia Trip. I felt very seen when I saw this book because I am nostalgic as hell. The book I'm writing is a nostalgic look at my, a version of my high school. So I feel very into this book. I'm constantly looking back at holidays and events and being like, man, that was so perfect. And like, I... Uh, My wife calls me, like, Clark Griswold, especially on the holidays. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to make the perfect Mm -hmm. everything. Um, So we'll be, like, making cookies with siblings or something. I'll be like, wow, we're really making some memories. And she's like, just make your cookie, bud. We'll talk about it later. I do this all the time. So this book... Examines two centuries of American life and shatters a series of myths and half truths that burden modern families. Placing current family dilemmas in the context of far reaching economic, political, and demographic changes, the author sheds new light on such contemporary concerns as parenting, privacy, love, the division of labor along gender lines, the black family, feminism, and sexual practice. So, and also the cover is a very like 1950s, like this uh, white male which is supposed to be the father of the of the uh household cooking on a grill and like his pin-up looking wife like handing out dixie cups like so happy and those kids playing in the background it's it it looks like a weird norman rockwell painting so that's the way we never were by stephanie Coontz. i have one more left yeah i have one more too uh,
1: i just wrote my last one is another alcohol related book
0: <laughs> My next one is another drink one, but not alcohol.
1: Okay, so mine is (laughs) Cork Dork by Bianca (laughs) Bosker. What a good name! The subtitle, A Wine-Fueled Adventure Among the Obsessive Somaliers, Big Bottle Hunters, and Rogue Scientists Who Taught Me to Live for Taste. Um, This book book was delightful. Um, And she didn't know much about wine. And Somehow got involved in it. Um, The idea of sommeliers is always so fascinating to me. Wild. Y'all, there's a documentary called sommelier where they follow like three guys who are studying for the the test. The whole thing is just bananas. Like everything you have to know and be able to like taste blind and be able to detect. notes and whatever
0: <laughs> those people are amazing
1: um yeah so yeah so um yeah bianca just you know got into learning more about wine mm-hmm. and is a cork dork uh
0: two things one i class i think about wine like i think about art I'm like i don't know what i'm supposed to be tasting but i like this one or i don't like this one same thing with like when i'm in an at a museum. I'm like, cool piece of art. And they're like, what does it say to you internally? I'm like, that I like it. I don't I don't know. Um, also, speaking of sommeliers, uh, Julia Whelan, who does a whole bunch of audiobooks and was on the podcast last year, she's a T sommelier. Oh. Yeah. And it's the same fancy. online course you can take. And it's at the point now where uh, she's like the voice of basically every audiobook you ever listen to. She's amazing. Um, it's at the point now where we became like friendly, and I will DM her on Twitter, like pictures of. Tea in real time, like Heinen's. Be like, which one of these should I get? And she'll be like, well, it depends. You need to tell me what you want to that do. That is with amazing. It. Yeah,
1: I will say this about wine. This is only going to be appropriate for anyone who lives in Northeast Ohio, but there is a wine shop called Rosies in Lakewood.
0: Love Rosies.
1: <laughs> so here's a fun story about Rosies. Uh, my dad is a wine drinker, um, but. And for his birthday a couple years ago, we decided to buy him a bottle of wine. Um, I know nothing about wine. And I especially don't know anything about red wine, which my dad drinks. So I go to Rosie's and I'm like, hey, I need help buying a bottle of wine. And the guy who helped me is asking me questions like what kind of, you know, he like, he does he like. I don't even know what they are. But he was like asking Mm -hmm. me like questions like what's your price point? Does he like Mm -hmm. California red versus whatever and I'm like answering these questions I'm guessing on half of them so <laughs> <laughs> he directs me and I'm like this looks fine I'll get this one I buy it send my picture a sister a picture of it I'm like I bought this and she's like um that's dad's favorite wine nailed it <laughs> nailed it
0: well done so thank you Rosie's Rosie's is also awesome just keep the Rosie's love going because you this is one of those wine shops but they also have a bar there <gasps> and you can just go in and they have like tables set up You can walk around and be like, I like this bottle of wine. And like, would you like us to cork it? And you can just enjoy it right there and have some chips. They have
1: some good um, craft beer as well. Mm -hmm. Also, during Game of Thrones season, they were like the only wine shop that actually had the Game of Thrones wine and beer. So I bought some.
0: Yeah, they're a cool place. So if you're in Northeast Ohio and you want to go to Rosie's, let us know. Uh, My last one is called Milk it has an exclamation point by Mark Kerlansky, who also does a ton of microhistories. histories. Um, this is a 10,000 year food fracas is what the subtitle is. Uh, so this goes through the cultural, economic and culinary story of milk and all things dairy with recipes throughout. Um, according to the Greek creation myth, we are all so much spilt milk, a splatter of goddess Hera's uh, milk became our galaxy, the Milky Way. But while mother's milk may be the essence of nourishment, it's the milk of other mammals that humans have cultivated ever since the d- domestication of animals more than 10,000 years ago. Um, as I continue to be more and more vegetarian, I am more and more weirded out by milk because I'm just like, it's That's fair. from a different animal. Um, The problem with this is I am an absolute hypocrite because I adore cheese. (laughs) So I'm like, Mm. somehow I'm okay with it in that sense. So I'll be like, well, I'm only going to buy oat milk because almond milk is not great for the environment. But then I'll be like, oh, um, yes, I would like some of your sharpest cheddar, please. So, um, But it sounds really interesting. Obviously, everyone starts their life drinking milk in some fashion. And many of us then become uh, very much in love with things like cheese and yogurt and ice cream and um, all sorts of stuff. So... Just a interesting uh, look at milk, exclamation point, by Mark Kurlansky. Um, Those are all the ones I had. Yeah. I'm all set. Uh, I want to remind people, if you listened to our last episode, Jill and I are both helping out raise money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Societies. So because this is another episode where we don't have a sponsor, I will put our links to donate to our pages in our show notes. Anything else that you think people should know about no no they don't think so um also jill this is like jill's half hour of not being in meetings the whole day so correct correct it. okay well i hope you guys enjoyed uh these micro histories we'll come back in the near future with some more recommendations for our professional book nerds reading challenge and yeah hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the professional book nerds podcast
1: be movie posters
0: and cartoons
1: oh yeah can't forget cartoons
0: if you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together you'll dig two designers walk into a bar
1: see we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars
0: hey you know the place the sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies
1: so join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love.
0: Check out our website at 2designerswalkintoabar.com
1: and listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com.